When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to uh, an edition of the Manchester is Red podcast that we're streaming over Facebook as well. Um, I'm Dominic Booth, delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall. Hello to you both. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. And the sun is shining in Manchester, but the sun isn't shining on Manchester United's transfer business at the moment. We're going to go through uh, the deals that are happening and the deals that aren't happening in this podcast. Then we'll detail a little bit about the start of the new season as well, I guess um, there's one place to start, and that's uh, two possible deals that Tottenham might be completing, which United have been linked with uh, Sergio Reguillon and Gareth Bale. Uh, Samuel, you've written about both those players um, and the MEN this morning, We're recording this um, on the Wednesday. What's the what's the latest, and why why are Tottenham winning the race for these two players? I don't really think it's a race, to be honest. Um, with with Bale, he's he's someone that United were just n- never going to outright buy this summer uh, for a multitude of reasons. But he was also a player they couldn't really discount as an emergency loan option because they are they are looking at alternative stop gaps uh, in case they don't sign Sancho. Which I mean, the way Dortmund are talking and how bullish they are. If they end up selling Sancho, they're going to look extremely daft because they just sound ultra confident that he's that that they're going to keep him. And it's arguable that United should have walked away from that deal a few weeks ago. So Bale was never someone high up that list. Um, I think that ship really did sail about three years ago when United, sorry, Jose Mourinho, ironically, I guess, uh, tried to exert pressure on Bale to push for a move to United and he didn't. And every summer since... 2018, Ronaldo had left, so Bale wasn't leaving. Last year, he was available, but there's no way United were going to be signing him given what the length he had on his contract. And also, it looked like he was going to China at that point. It was just someone that they weren't bothering with. Uh, I think the fact that, that he was even considered was a mistake because United, as part of their whole recruitment reboot, it's about players who are genuinely enchanted with the prospect of playing for United. With Bale, this is a player who could have pushed for a move to United a few years ago, but didn't. He could have joined United when he was a teenager from Southampton, held out for them, but he went to Tottenham. And United wanted him in 2013 as well, but understandably had his, you know, he was set on joining Real Madrid. Uh, and of course, when it doesn't happen, uh, because it's trial by Twitter in the transfer window, uh, the blame is levelled at United for not signing a player that they were never really going to sign. Um, with Sergio Reguillon, he was a player that United were monitoring, but uh, as I wrote last week, a left back was not a priority this summer for United. And I, I think some reports about them, you know, supposedly reading a bid were wide of the mark and it was pretty much a classic case of the Spanish media or or, or Madrid's um, kind of like their cheerleaders out there planting a story to smoke out an actual bidder uh, in Tottenham and that's happened since time immemorial with United it's Bayern Munich are trying to make it happen with with Thiago Alcantara I, I do I do wonder why a lot of a lot of supporters, not all supporters, don't really read between the lines at times. That With someone like Thiago, they've just signed a younger equivalent in Van der Beek, someone who can play 
at the base of midfield or at the apex of midfield, which is how Thiago plays, and he's younger. So why the hell, uh, regardless of what you think of the speculation, why would you choose to believe what's coming out of Germany? There's always there's often an ulterior motive with these things, and sometimes it is best to just ignore the noise. Unfortunately, because of because of the way United have operated in previous transfer windows, they're still stigmatised by that. And look, the way they've gone about this window so far has been questionable to say the least Leeds United have outspent them to date and of course if there are two players that they have been heavily linked with or have certainly considered signing and they don't end up signing them and they go to Tottenham United are going to get dogs abuse on Twitter um that's that's just the way it goes yeah it I guess everyone understands Ty that United have their priorities in the transfer market and we were all led to believe that left back wasn't one of those so so maybe the you know the fact that Reguilon looks like he's heading to Tottenham is not a huge blow and but do you think should United be a bit more uh, reactive almost and, and, and a bit more opportunistic in the transfer window like it seems like Mourinho is, is doing that with with these two signings at Spurs yeah perhaps but I think Regulian Real Madrid obviously want uh, a buyback clause in it and I think you know I mean if Tottenham are putting a buyback clause in it then to me it just shows that they don't consider themselves challengers to, to Real Madrid I think it's just you know, it's completely unnecessary, really. United should not be putting a buyback clause in a player they're buying from, from Real Madrid. They're not there to develop players for Real Madrid. So, you know, you can understand why a club like United would shy away from, from something like that. I don't think it's it's necessary at all. So, I mean, he would have been a good addition, I think. Fullback, although they've got a lot of fullbacks, I still think it's an area they can strengthen. And signing a more attacking left-back is, is probably something they can look to do within the next two or three transfer windows. But I think, you know, like Samuel says, a lot of this is is games and United United know their name, not only sells papers, but their name can flush out other bidders as well. And when the manager has talked of a rebuild, they're an obvious they're an obvious club to plant in in press stories to to try and flush out bidders like Tottenham or, or earn players new contracts. So a lot of you have to take it with a with a pinch of salt. But I think with, with a buyback clause, I think, you know, a club like United shouldn't shouldn't be countenancing that at all, really. Um, and as good as Regulion might have been and it might have offered something different, so I don't think it's a disaster United aren't going to sign him. No, I guess it is, it's a sort of similar scenario to the one we saw, uh, Samuel, uh, with United linked with Deo Upamakano of RB Leipzig, quite strongly linked, although we, we never understood that centre-back was a, was a priority, but people jump on the back of these links and it starts to maybe seem a bit more like a possibility than it actually is. It, it can be. I mean, Upper Makano is is a player that they they have looked at, and uh, in in Derek Lanley's case, the former um, uh, head of recruitment at youth level, unearthed when Upper Makano was was a teenager. But United passed on him. Uh, he, he's a player you could easily see ending up at United. But again, um, I mean, Wood, Woodward did have a point when he talked about the economic realities post pandemic and a team that invested how much was it? 130 million pounds in two defenders last year. They would, uh, it, there's still time, but they, it would be lucky, you'd be very, very surprised if United spent, you know, half of 50 million pounds, 25 million pounds, or the best part of 50 million pounds on a defender or some defenders because they strengthened and invested in the defence last year. This summer, it's about um, reinforcing and enhancing the attack. They've done that with Fernandes and Van der Beek. Um, they, they obviously want Jaden Sancho. They do want a right winger. I, I do think they will get a right winger, whether it's Sancho or an alternative or a stopgap. They've put their necks on the chopping block by saying that right wing is a priority so okay if that's the case you are going to have to get someone in we saw how Bayern Munich operated last year by getting Coutinho and 
and Perisic in on loan uh, to offset the, the, the failure to sign Sane and that turned out to work just as just perfectly really both contributed uh, to varying degrees but certainly where it counts at the end in the semi-final and final of the Champions League they they played key roles in those two wins so it's it, it is silly season um, our colleague Marcus did a piece on Alex Tellez was it last month I think um, about why he'd be a good left back for United way should be worthy of consideration and that's just opened the floodgates and now you can't go a day without um, seeing his name mentioned with United I think one of the worst things about Twitter is the I think it's that tab on the right which says uh, like what's happening or what's going on and you can't get rid of it I just want the UK trends there so I can see what you know um, Boris Johnson saying in PMQs or something like that but because of how who we follow what we're writing about you see all these bloody names getting put in there that mean little or nothing to United. And look, Marcus, I think you should come on here and apologise, frankly, because he's <laughs> he's brought this he's brought this hardship on all of us, and we have now we feel duty bound to uh, to, to cater for the Alex Tellers obsessives out there. I hope he's uh, watching and listening to this. Or so the moment <laughs> Tellers is there, Luke Shaw is there. Brandon Williams and Reguillon. So there's four, a choice of four left-backs there on that uh, side panel. So, yeah, maybe Marcus should come on and explain himself. But it took seven and a half minutes there, Samuel, before Jaden Sancho got a mention on the podcast, which might be a, a right. record. <laughs> <laughs> in the first um, minute or two, we seem to mention him. Um, Ty, we, we know what the situation is with, with Sancho. It's been well-documented. Dortmund, seemingly every employee of Borussia Dortmund has come out in the media and said that he's not for sale. Um but we don't understand the deal is not completely dead in the water. Is it time for United to move on from, from this? I mean, it's hard to say. United have obviously still been given some hope for it, which is, is why they haven't moved on, I guess. And, you know, there are three weeks of the window left and, and a lot can happen in, in three weeks. I mean, Dortmund remain insistent that, that this artificial deadline they inserted is gone and, and he won't be going anywhere. But I don't think anyone really expects that, you know, if United sent them 120 million euros on PayPal tomorrow, then Jadon Sancho would be straight in Manchester, wouldn't he? So I think it's it's pure mind games from from Dortmund. And I think it's, you know, it's just a battle of brinksmanship, a game of brinksmanship at the moment. Dortmund know United desperately want him and want a right winger. United think that Dortmund are probably going to need the money this this summer. And given Dortmund's previous history of selling players and how we know they operate, you would imagine there is a, a hole in there in their budget that needs filling through a, a Sancho-esque sale. So, you know, one club is going to be proven right and one's going to be proven wrong over the next three weeks. There is obviously going to come a point when United have to have to move on, but they, they may look to leave it as late as possible. The risk then is obviously that the, the players that might be an option, you know, the final week of the transfer window, they might have looked at Bale, but it looks like he's going to Tottenham now. Other players might go elsewhere in the final week of the transfer window. So they might leave themselves short of options if they string it out that long, but... They obviously feel like there's hope and, and they feel that way for a reason. So it might be that come the final week of the window, they have to look at alternatives and, and maybe see Shanghai Shenu as right winger is. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, loan deal for him maybe. Let's, let's see. Samuel, you, you've, uh, you've written on the MEN today that United are exploring the possibility of signing uh, Atalanta winger Ahmad Traore. Uh, I can't deal with another Traore in the Premier League. That's, that's going uh, to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. But yeah. what's the... What's it's with with him. Well, when I when I was told that about the a winger there after it was called Triore, I just thought, oh, is it is it the Wolves one? But then it, I was informed, no, it's this this kid at Atalanta, and he's I think he's played about thirty minutes in Serie A, but it's it's more of an opportunistic one in that 
there's a bit of noise around him at the moment. There's there's some competition for him. Uh, I mean, I was told that he, he wouldn't be cheap either, even though he is as raw as I've just said there, like three cameo appearances in, in Serie A. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a lot really to to glean um, from from him other than just trying to you know go into Y scout and seeing what he's what he's done in in various games, but. I think really the, the the notable achievement he's had is that he played very well for their under 19s last season. Uh, he he was in the squad that went to Lisbon last month for the last stages of the Champions League uh, when they went out to PSG in the quarterfinals. I, I was my understanding is that he's not seen as an alternative to Sancho. He's seen as someone who for the long term. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, in a, in a straight deal, if it were to happen, that he could be loaned back to Italy or something like that. I know Palmer have been heavily linked with with taking him on loan, but United are looking to possibly do something there. And I, I think that's, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I have sympathy with United as such, but they they are being active in an inactive way. Um, you're not seeing them bidding publicly for players, but they are working on deals. There's a lot of background to what's going on at the moment that we'll see the light of day when the time is right and the time will be right when the window's closed, uh, frankly, when I think you can sit back and do a, a thoughtful and considered, measured and informed, heavily informed piece on how United have gone about their business in the transfer window. But uh, it's, it, by all accounts, he's, he's very highly rated. And uh, if if it happens, it's 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 not the, it's not the kind of right winger that anybody was expecting United to sign. But again, I should stress, he's not seen as an alternative to Sancho. Yeah, well, you know, Sancho, Sancho's name keeps keeps going on and on, and um, it's probably important to say that because United fans seem seemed a little bit furious when Bale was touted as an option. Douglas Costa, Ivan Perisic, they're not really ticking the box for for United at the moment. I guess David Brooks is another name to to throw in, but he may not be a, a direct alternative. Um, one player United won't be signing uh, this summer, Tyrone, is Jack Grealish, signed a new five year deal at. Aston Villa. Uh, I think he admitted today that there had been, you know, interest. He had had um, speculation. He had considered moving away. Have United made actually the right decision on this one in, in going for a player like Van der Beek and going after Sancho rather than putting their eggs in the Grealish basket? Yeah, I think so. I, I think once Villa stayed up, it, it virtually killed any hope of, of such a deal. I, I don't think United were desperate to sign Grealish to the same extent that they want Sancho. And I think there's uncertainty over exactly where he would play. He's not going to take Marcus Rashford, Rashford's place on the left. Uh, I'm not sure you could play him in United's midfield the way it sets up and keep Bruno Fernandes in there. So it's difficult to see how he'd get in the first team. And, and once Villa stayed up, they just didn't need the money. I think there's an increasing problem for, for Premier League players at, at mid-ranking clubs in, in terms of getting out of those clubs because even even in these times when we're presuming clubs are, are short of cash in the Premier League, it's not looking like that's the case. And the, the TV deals are so lucrative that any club who stays up in the Premier League simply doesn't need to sell a player. Unless that player goes on strike to force a move or is in the final year of his contract, then he's going nowhere. And players like Madison and, and Grealish, and I think we've seen it with Wilfred Tahar as well, just haven't got a way out because those clubs can can slap 50, 60, 70, 80 million pound price tags on them. And frankly, no one's going to pay it. Not when you can sign someone like Donny van der Beek for, for 35 million pound from Ajax. So I think, you know, it was pretty clear that Villa wanted around 80 million pounds. And as good as Grealish looks, he's never played in, in Europe. He's, he's made one appearance for England. So I, I don't think he's an 80 million pound footballer at the moment. So I think, you know, I think United have, have made the right decision, especially in a window where, 
they've constantly talked talked down their financial power, shall we say. Um, so, yeah I, yeah, I don't think it was ever really going to be an option. We thought maybe that it might be more of a seller's uh, or a buyer's market, even in the coronavirus, uh, sort of in the wake of the pandemic, because clubs may need to sell to to raise funds. That just hasn't proven to be the case, has it, with with, with these Premier League clubs and the TV deal going on? It, they, they haven't suffered as a result of the lack of fans and they haven't needed to sell players. That's for either of you, by the way. <laughs> I think I think we're afraid to jump in. Yeah, with with Grealish and, and Madison, it's not a coincidence that both of them have received new contracts on the back of United's interest in them as well. As as you say, it, the the days where you, you could just raid a club and um, blow blow other clubs out of the water who, who might have been competing for a player that those are over now for United I mean Wilfred Zaha did he sign a new contract two years ago I think it was and last year he had a hissy fit because Palace wouldn't sell him well I'm, I'm sorry but either he or his advisors are living in cloud cuckoo land because as soon as you make a long-term commitment to a club unless there's a release clause in it that they've they've got power over you for the majority of that time the power with the player always seems to it always seems to transmit to the player. I think when they get to the last two years of their deal, at that point they can start, you know, to to make it known that they want to go. There's pressure on the club to sell him to get a good fee for him because there's always a risk if you come to having a player with the last year on their with one year left on their contract that you're not going to get the fee that you you would have otherwise got the previous summer. So it, it's just the way it is at the moment, and I think the the, the comment that might come back. Uh, to haunt Solskjaer was he said during lockdown can't remember it verbatim but he said about um, how they could you know uh, prey on on other clubs and, and and you know go and get go out and and make signings and cherry pick the the players that they want and they've not done that uh, the, the the Van der Beek deal happened very very quickly almost as if United discovered that he wasn't going to Real Madrid he was still available and the price to to get him uh, was was a knockdown fee. Yeah, well, Van der Beek may well turn out to be a, a very decent signing. He, he was one of those players who played for United uh, against Grealish's Villa in a, a rather odd behind closed doors friendly uh, last weekend. Odd in, in as such as the game was not shown or revealed to the media uh, in the daytime when it was actually played at 2pm. And then it, it was shown later on at 10pm that night on MUTV causing a a late night for Samuel and myself. Um, it was a 1-0 defeat for United. Ollie Watkins got the only goal of the game. Uh, United played well for large periods. I think Van der Beek was, was probably the most impressive player. Daniel James looked pretty good as well. But um, was, there, was there much more to glean than that, Samuel, from, from this game? I mean, it was bizarre in so many ways. It, it was, uh, particularly the way some outlets covered it doing like a, a live blog of a game that you could not watch live. You could not get live updates from unless there was a tweet from Ian Taylor saying that a goal had gone in. And then clearly Ian Taylor's paymasters had told him to say, can you stop tweeting, please? Because it's going out at 10pm tonight and we want people to pay to watch this game as well. So it, the way you had to go about it was just just wait and actually watch the game and then um, analyse it properly and, and write properly on it, which which obviously we did. And I saw some of the outrage over United losing a, a pre-season friendly, which was, again, 
it was it was partly it was whipped up by some outlets and also it's just the way United fans are on Twitter at the moment a lot of them anyway they they are the angriest mob going it seems um, because there's not been a transfer for a couple of weeks but as you said in the first half they did play well um, they 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 had about five chances but Igalo I think it's, I said in my ratings the sun was out and all he was missing was a deck chair he was he was just so 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 slow. There was no penalty box presence with him. Uh, Rashford was equally guilty of not offering much of a penalty box presence playing as the 10. Uh, But as you said, Daniel James looks a lot better. Luke Shaw looks very fit and was proactive. McTominay, I thought, was was pretty good until he came off at half-time. And and Van der Beek uh, certainly didn't look out of place and got forward from from that deep line role as well. So it's a game that demanded coverage um, once it had been seen, of course. But it's it's just it's just a case of getting players some minutes in what has been one of the probably the strangest preseason on record. Yeah, covering a game at 10 p.m. at night from home rather than somewhere exotic like Australia or America in the height of summer uh, is not quite uh, quite as good. What have United learnt then about um, their squad and their side preseason tie? There's a number of players who've only just got back to training this week. Uh, the likes of um, Paul Pogba, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Nemanja Matic, Fred. United probably scrambling a little bit, aren't they, to get ready for the, the, the league opener against Palace on Saturday? Yeah, I would think so. I, I would imagine they've learnt that the depth and the quality of depth is, is not good enough. But then I think they already knew that anyway. So, there's, I mean, the, the side they put out against Palace is going to be very instructive because, like we say, there's there's some first-team players there who have only had a week's pre-season training. Uh, Bruno Fernandes has only been back at Carrington the same as well, although he played twice for Portugal. We know about what's happened with Mason Greenwood this summer. You know, there's there's a lot of headaches there for for Solskjaer to to consider and try and get a team out for all that game. I mean, it's perhaps fortunate in some ways that the first two league games are Crystal Palace and Brighton, and, and they should both be be fairly winnable games. But it's going to be such a strange start to the season. United are so short of, of fitness and pre-season work, and a lot of their players are. Whereas other clubs, you know, I think Liverpool played four, four pre-season games. Tottenham played four pre-season games. Both those clubs were back in pre-season training at pretty much the same time United were finishing last season. So there's some huge discrepancies there in in how much work has been done by clubs this summer. And you'd imagine that's going to have to have some kind of impact. I mean, United are perhaps encouraged by seeing Wolves on, on Monday night who are in the same boat and hadn't played a pre-season game and... Their season only finished, I think, maybe a week before United's and, and they won 2-0 and, and looked pretty comfortable. So there might be some encouragement there. On the other hand, PSG in France have, have lost their first two games and are in the relegation zone in France and, and have clearly struggled with the short adaptation time. So I think it's going to be a, a bizarre season and a bizarre start to the season. And it's just, you know, it's very difficult to know at the moment what side United put out at the weekend and how it plays out against the Palace team who have played. I think they had three pre-season games. They had a good win on Saturday. So we're going to be a lot sharper. So... There's an awful lot of unknowns going into the first couple of weekends of the season. Yeah, United lost 2-1 at home to Palace. Uh, I think it was the, the third game of last season uh, when Daniel James scored. United were actually in pretty good shape going into that game, having beaten Chelsea and, uh, and secured a credible draw against Wolves, Samuel. This time, it, it, it seems a, a, it seems like one that Palace might fancy. And that, as Ty said, the United team is not really obvious going into this one. There's certain players who you, you can't, you can't sort of pencil in there. Indeed, and uh, I, I wouldn't take Solskjaer's injury bulletin at face value on, on Friday either, given his, his track record with um, team news and, and injury news. Uh, th- there'll be more 
more players back. Obviously, we've seen that already this week than um, from the Villa game where you had Alanga and Galbraith and Garner uh, on the bench. Some some very raw players who were only playing because of the uh, the, the lack of first team players. Some players just won't be considered for selection because uh, they they could be leaving before uh, the transfer window closes, like Chris Smalling and, and Marcus Rojo. Uh, not that they were really in, in Solskjaer's plans anyway, because they were both out on loan last season. Uh, with with Pogba, you know, it's uh, thankfully I've not had I've not had COVID nineteen. I, I can't really comment on how debilitating it is, and um, for him, hopefully he's you know cope with it better because he's he's an elite athlete. He's you know he's one of the most athletic footballers um, on the planet. But Solskjaer did say that that he might be a doubt for the game this weekend. Fortunately for United, they have got um, one one of the best midfields in in the league. I think it's fair to say. Uh, so it's it's very very difficult to to even guess what what the team. Uh, might be and whether he decides to you know discipline Greenwood in a in a way that uh, results in him being benched and of course you know James played well at the weekend but he did play on the left wing I, I suppose that was one of the few um interesting aspects of of that game in that when when the team was finally confirmed at about eight o'clock at night and wasn't that leaked team that had cir- uh, circulated uh, throughout Twitter on the day, you, you kind of assumed that James would be playing on the right, uh, but he played on the left and Rashford was was playing off Igalo and James is a far better left winger than he is a right winger. Um, I think that was clear in pre-season last year. So uh, that how does that fact does that get factored into it? But one way or another, I think that you know su- supporters are entitled to be disappointed at the lack of strengthening of the squad since um, since the Europa League campaign ended. Even though it is a difficult window, um, you know, Solskjaer said he wants to move up the table. The, the depth of the squad needs improving, and they have, as I said, they have been act- active in an inactive way, and it, it doesn't really cut it Just for all the mitigation to have made one signing and, and a very, very good signing, it looks like, and a very prudent signing. But these these aren't the standards that, that you know, that should be at United. Yeah, and I guess the debate that no one's talking about, which which is a big debate, is uh, Dean Henderson against David De Gea. Henderson obviously started the, the Villa game, coming back after two excellent years at Sheffield United on loan. But, I mean, I personally have the sneaking suspicion, Ty, that it, it's going to be De Gea um, in the Premier League side against Palace. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if, if De Gea didn't start the season with the gloves, especially in the, in the Premier League. Um, I think Henderson's challenge is, is going to be to keep him pressing in training. He'll obviously play the Cup game next week and, and probably most domestic Cup games, maybe even Champions League games. And it's basically wait and see how De Gea's season pans out, I think. If he continues to come up with errors at the rate he did towards the back end of last season, then it probably won't be long before Henderson is in the Premier League team. The alternative school of thought is perhaps that De Gea has suffered from a complete lack of competition in, in recent seasons and having Henderson breathing down his neck might well inspire him and, and give him the, the kick up the backside that he needs to, to get back to his best. So I think it will be De Gea that, that starts the season. I think... Yeah, I mean, Gary Neville said he, he was going to cause United problems, this this issue over the season. I think I think it only really causes an issue if, if Solskjaer is indecisive and he's chopping and changing regularly. I think if it reaches the point where De Gea's form is continuing to suffer, then he just has to drop him and, and give Henderson the rest of the season. You can't bring Henderson in, Henderson has two games and makes a mistake and, and comes back out. So I think if he makes a change during the season, he needs to make one change and just be 
decisive with it. But obviously the issue is going to be if, if De Gea does come out of the team, then you've got your best paid player sitting on the bench and and the issue of, of how you then get rid of him because United aren't going to want a number two on, on the money that De Gea's on. So that could be an issue later in the season and towards the end of the season. But I think De Gea will get first dibs on uh, on making that place his own or keeping that place his own rather. We shall see. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think Henderson will start the season. Is there any one player, Samuel, who you think deserves to, to start against Palace? Anyone who's really nailed down a place, either by playing well for their international side or against Villa? or <laughs> Playing well in pre-season friendlies. Any, uh, any personal preference? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's the simple answer. It's, you know, there's, there's been no pre-season. I think the, the team, uh, if, if everyone was fit, then you, you'd probably, because it is Palace, you would probably play Van der Beek and, and Pogba behind Fernandez just to see how that goes. Uh, the the back the back four still picks itself. Uh, I, I suppose if 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 you want to name, I I would actually go with Henderson for the start of the season. I don't think they will. I think they'll go with De Gea, but I think De Gea. You've had the the eighteen months that he's had. I think there's there's every. Yeah, I think it's fair to suggest that possibly the best goalkeeper in the Premier League last season deserves a fair crack of the whip now, especially after signing a new contract. Um, but again, you know, we don't know what the fitness is specifically of the players. Some have only just come back this week to start doing ball work. They've they've been training at home after being in quarantine. It's 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 very very surreal. It it, it doesn't have the makings of an auspicious season, uh, unfortunately for United. It sounds a bit like my lockdown fitness routines at best. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, I'm going to ask each of you for a prediction. Uh, it's the first one of the season, so the slate the slate is clean. Uh, I'll invite uh, Tyrone to to come up first with a, a decent prediction. You can't really base this on anything, unfortunately, this time. No, you can't. And I don't particularly want to predict United not to win, although I, I do think that they are vulnerable this weekend and would probably take any sort of victory. So on, on that basis, let's perhaps go for a, a scrappy 1-0. I think Salzburg will probably snap your hands off for, for any kind of three points this weekend. <laughs> A glittering start to the season, 1-0. <laughs> Samuel? 2-0 uh, United. OK, yeah, well, we'll have to see. Um, United's campaign obviously gets underway at home to Palace at 5.30 on Saturday. You can obviously see all the coverage of that on the Manchester Evening News. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, you can subscribe, like, wherever you get your podcasts um, and leave us a review too. That would be great. But um, from the three of us for now, thanks for joining us, Samuel and Ty. Thank you very much. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And we'll see you again soon.